You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. Today, last day of our Colossians sermon series, talking about how Jesus is greater than. And we've been going through section by section and talking about what Jesus is greater than based on what Paul is talking about. Because in this short four chapters, Paul has one of his biggest, most exalted, highest pictures of Jesus. And so he really wants to convey that Jesus is greater than literally everything, but certainly over the ways in our own lives that we think, that we behave, that we act, that we speak, that we do family together, that we do church together, that we live our lives. And today we're wrapping up chapter four today. As always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to send them. I'll do my best to answer them, uh, especially at the end, if we have time, which I think we will today. But as always, let's start with the bad news. What is the bad news so that we can better understand the good news. I think the bad news for us today is that our sinful selves desire to build kingdoms for ourselves. We desire to build our own kingdoms. Born that way because of the fall and our own sin, instead of naturally praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is heaven, we have a kingdom-building desire within us, but it's often turned in on itself, and we desire to build our own kingdoms. Instead, of we want to build wor- worlds that are focused on me, me publics. Instead of republics, that was my cheesy little line last night that made me giggle. We're trying to build me publics. I love it. Social media is teaching us this, by the way. If you want to get more engagement on any video you post, they say that one of the first words you should start with is the word, I know it's hard to see, is the word you. Because the sweetest sound to your ears is your name. The second sweetest sound is you. You. Because it's you. It's you without your name being said. He says, inclusive wording means inviting people into your communication. For instance, we're hardwired to perk up when we hear our own name as well as when we hear the word you. Mention participants' names or use phrases like, as you know, or you may be wondering, or today you will learn. We love us. We want to talk about us. It's often we talk about this in social sciences. Our favorite topic far and away is ourselves. We are trying, we are kingdom builders at heart, but our sinful desires have turned that in on itself and we're building our own kingdoms and we often do it through worldly means, the four Ps that I often bring up. We want power, right, which is, which is our ability to get our way, to make people do what we want, even and especially when they don't want to. Possessions, we want to accumulate the stuff. Position, we like to have status, we like to have recognition in our society that we are somebody officially, and popularity, we just want people to like us. Sometimes we sacrifice popularity for other things, but we still, no one wants to be hated. And so we use these things to help us build our own little me publics, our own little kingdoms. And Paul says, and he's wrapping up his, his letter here, he says, I want you to be praying about how we preach Christ's kingdom. Pray that God would open a door for the word so that we can preach the secret plan. The Greek word there is mysterion, our word mystery. Preach the mystery 
of Christ, which we learned back in week one and two, the mystery of Christ is that everyone gets to be included in the kingdom of God. And he says, I want you to be orienting your life towards Christ's kingdom and the plan of Christ and the way of Christ. This is the thing that we're supposed to be turning our lives towards. And so he's going to be helping us figure out how to do that as he wraps up his book. Because ultimately, we get a better life when we focus on a purpose that is bigger than ourselves. Instead of just building up our own thing, you will have a better life when you focus on something bigger than yourself. And Jesus is greater than ourselves. Yeah? So if you have some scripture, would you turn with me to Colossians 4, 2 through 18? It's long. Never are you going to feel like you're reading somebody else's mail more than when you're reading this last chapter of Colossians. But I think there is a point even in that. It's page 901, I believe. We finally turn in the page here. Starting at 2, we're going to go all the way to 18 to the end. Paul says, keep on praying and guard your prayers with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us also. Pray that God would open a door for the word so we can preach the secret plan of Christ, which is why I am in chains. This is the whole reason Paul is in prison right now. Pray that I might be able to make it clear as I, uh, clear as I ought to when I preach. Act wisely towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Your speech should always be gracious and sprinkled with salt, is the Greek word. They changed it to insight. So that you may know how to respond to every person. Finally, is final greeting, Tychicus, our dearly beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow slave in the Lord will inform you about everything that has happened to me. This is why I sent him to you, so that you know all about us, and so he can encourage your hearts. I sent him with Onesimus, our faithful and dearly loved brother, who is one of you. They will let you know about everything here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, say, says hello to you. So does Mark the guy who wrote the Gospel of Mark, Barnabas' cousin. You received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus called Justice. Brother, got to change his name. You can't just be having your name. Jesus. He's like, call me Justice. Jesus called Justice says, hello. These are my fellow workers for God's kingdom who are Jewish converts. They have been an encouragement to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, says, hello. He's a slave of Christ Jesus who always wrestles for you in prayers so that you will stand firm and fully mature and complete in the entire will of God. I can vouch for him that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke, the dearly loved physician, and Demas, say hello. Poor Demas. He's not dearly beloved. He's not a slave of the Lord. He's not a worker of the gospel. He just says, hi. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Paul says to the Colossians, say hello to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea, along with Nympha, this woman whose church meets in her house. After this letter, Colossians, is read to you publicly, make sure to give it to that church in Laodicea. Make sure they read it. And you should read their letter that I sent to them. And tell Archippus, this is so mysterious. We have no idea what's happening here. And tell Archippus, Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry that you received in the Lord. Just a little throwaway line. Just a sneaky little line. If I was writing you, the table church, I was like, also remind Julianne she's got some stuff to do. 
I, Paul, am writing this greeting personally, because he didn't always write his own letters with his own hand, but he's writing this greeting here personally. Remember that I am in prison. Grace be with you. We finish the book of Colossians, the word of the Lord, for the people of the Lord for today. The scholars say that it wraps up in what they call shotgun advice. There's just lots of stuff being said, not necessarily in any theme, and then obviously the farewells, but we're going to try to pull together three themes out of here that I think Paul is trying to help us with as he wants us to orient our life towards Christ's kingdom. He even mentioned that there are some servants of Christ's kingdom in there. Final words, three simple but profound ways that we can more join Jesus's greater than mission as always had our hands. What does God want us to know, feel, and do? That's how I organize my points. These are the questions that I ask. What does God want us to know, feel, and do? One simple way to join Jesus's mission and purpose is to make every moment holy. Paul begins by emphasizing time and prayer and thanksgiving. Keep on praying, he says. Guard. The word guard there is keep alert, be alert, keep watch. Keep watch through your prayers with thanksgiving. And then he says, act wisely towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Paul has something to say to us about time and how we are being present and how we make the most of the time that we have before either we go or Jesus comes back. See, the bad teachers taught them to keep their heads in the clouds. That's why Paul's writing this letter. There were some bad teachers that said you can transcend your need for the people around you. You could be holy by just keeping your head in the clouds. And Paul says, I want you to be alert and present right here and right now. And he gives us two tools to be alert and present right here and right now. Keep on praying and guard your prayers with thanksgiving. Two holy practices that help us to be present, prayer and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is an incredible practice to help us to be present. Prayer and thanksgiving are powerful tools to keep us present and to help us make the moments holy to take this ordinary time and turn it into the Lord's time. The Bible has two ways of talking about time, by the way. In the Greek, chronos, we know that, chronology. That's just your ticking away of the seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months. But there's another form of time called kairos time. And this is the Lord's time. This is when the time is pregnant with meaning. This is when the time has some heavier weight to it. It's infused with God. And so when Jesus says, the time is at hand. The kingdom of God has come near. He doesn't say the chronos is at hand. He says the kairos. And here Paul is asking us to make every moment holy, to make the most of every opportunity to pray and guard our prayer with thanksgiving. He wants us to take our ordinary chronos time and turn it into Kairos time. This is a way that you can join Jesus' movement very simply. Prayer, thanksgiving, making every moment holy. I worked at a different church for a long time ago without a beard, apparently, or haircuts. And, um, and I've told the story before, but it was just really an impactful moment in my life. 
See, I was responsible for doing youth. I was responsible for doing music. I was responsible for doing tech and websites and graphics. And I felt like that was my work. That was the stuff that was put on the job description. But we ran a nine-to-five office situation, and people would walk in, and they would talk to me, and they would talk to me, and they would talk to me. And I love talking to people. I'm easily distracted by people. But I was always not getting my work done on time, last minute, middle of the night. And so... I was just praying to the Lord about how to get things under control, and I was really complaining about all the people that would come in and talk to me all the time, youth and just people going through stuff. And the Lord really convicted me that the distractions were the ministry, that the computer and the papers and the preparation, while important, not the most important, that I was not making every moment holy and I was not making, taking advantage of every opportunity and I was not guarding my time with prayer and thanksgiving for the human beings that were in my life. I was focused on the screens and the papers and I've really tried to do my best from that moment forward to not make ministry about screens and papers. Similar story. Julie Canlis, Dr. Canlis, was at Regent University getting her PhD just had a baby, also had a toddler. Eugene Peterson is there. She says, man, every time I try to get close to the Lord, every time I pick up my Bible to try to read scripture, it feels like I'm doing my research project. Everything feels dead. My spirit feels dead. I don't feel connected to the Lord. She said she went to Eugene Peterson, someone I love dearly uh, as a pastor in the faith and theologian. She said, I went to Eugene Peterson and I said, help me, give me a spiritual discipline that I can do so that I can stay connected to the Lord because I feel spiritually dry. This is what she writes. He patted my hand, and then like a parent consoling a dissatisfied child who is not content with their lot in life, Julie, that is, a spir- that is your spiritual discipline. Oh, I, I messed up. Hey, so Julie Canlis. <laughs> so she goes, give me a spiritual discipline that I can do to connect with the Lord. And he says, what are you already doing in a disciplined fashion? This is what I missed. What are you already doing in a disciplined fashion? What are you already doing? And she says, I am nailed to the couch to nurse my newborn because my newborn has reflux, acid reflux, and not a lot is staying down, and so I am nursing a lot. And he said, Julie, that is your spiritual discipline. Start paying attention to what you're already doing. Be present. In that moment and in so many others like it, she said, I was weakened by a very common and insidious temptation. I wanted to be for Christ instead of being in Christ. I saw my familial responsibilities as obstacles to a godly life when in fact they were the very place that God wanted to meet me. Accordingly, I had to radically revise my view of obedience to include the simple act of abiding, just being present. Paul is asking you to take advantage, to make every opportunity holy through prayers and thanksgiving to be present fully where we are. God's word wants you to know that you can make every moment holy. Prayer and thanksgiving are the powerful tools that help us to do just that, to sanctify the time that we have with people. What does God want us to experience then? Heart point? To feel? For me, it's this. 
The first one was every moment holy. This one is everyone together. Everyone together. He goes on and on. Look at all the names he mentions. Again, feeling like you're reading somebody else's mail. Tychicus, fellow slave. Onesimus, dearly loved brother. Aristarchus, fellow prisoner. Mark, Barnabas' cousin. Jesus called Justice. Epaphras, who wrestles in prayer for you. Luke, who's dearly loved. Damas, he just says, hi. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, Laodicea, Nympha, her church. Archippus, Paul. Name after name, they're all serving together. They're all working together for the same goal, to see Jesus' kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I said this three times now. You feel like you're reading someone else's mail, but I think Paul has a point for you, that you're not meant to do it alone, that he wants you to belong, that you need to be a part of a team. You can't belong to Jesus and be a part of his purpose, his bigger purpose, without belonging to his people. I think that's our takeaway. All that people back there. My goal isn't to make a spiritual experience for you. I hope I'm not getting too radical right now. Sunday morning is not about me creating a spiritual experience for you. That's not the goal of what we're doing here. Our goal is to create a spiritual community on mission with Jesus who comes together to worship the Lord together. If I'm creating something for you to consume, we've broken it. This whole thing is, is worthless. Shut it down. But if we're creating community together to serve Jesus and to glorify Jesus, I think that's what Paul's encouraging us to do, and that's what I'm trying to do. Because the kingdom of God is a team sport, and we 100% need each other. And I found a shallow but moving, it was moving to me example. This is a baseball player named Trey Turner. And he was having the worst season of his life. And he plays in a city that is known for having the most horrible fans in all of sports, Philadelphia. They are brutal. And so they were just booing him every time he messed up. And he messed up a lot. And then somebody with a little bit of influence decided to flip the switch. Video ends kind of abruptly. But take a look at this story that's happening this year with this guy. The meanest and most ruthless fans in sports just did one of the most heartwarming things you'll ever see, and it saved this player's season. Trey Turner is having the worst year of his life, and it hit rock bottom when he went 0 for 5 against the Marlins, dropped his average to the lowest it's been all year, and made an error that cost the Phillies the game. He has been getting booed throughout the season, but after this performance, Philly legend, the Philly captain, made an announcement. Let's not boo Trey Turner. Let's give him a standing ovation every time he comes to bat. The next night, Trey Turner came to the plate and got a massive standing ovation. He responded by hitting an RBI single. The next day, he got even more standing ovations. Turner responded by hitting a bomb. The stadium went crazy and Turner continued to get standing ovations throughout the weekend. He continued to play amazing throughout the weekend and even bought billboards across the city to thank Philly fans. Do you think this fixed Trey Turner? Media video. Do you think it fixed him? He already said it did. Yes. The power of people. The power of team. Absolutely essential for anything that we're going to do in and for Jesus together. Everyone together. Every moment holy. Everyone together. The quote that I bring up often from my boy, John Wesley. He says, holy solitaries are 
is a phrase no more consistent with the gospel than holy adulterer. There's no such thing as a holy adulterer. He says there's no such thing as a holy solitary, somebody doing it on their own alone. The gospel of Christ knows no religion but social, no holiness but social holiness. And what he means by this last phrase is that you will not grow in Christ without human beings around you. And so Paul ends his letter with a massive list giving you an example of all the stuff he's already asked you to do. He says, I want you to pray. I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for the gospel. I want you to pray for us that I could be clear. I want you to pray for yourself and guard your prayers with thanksgiving. And then he goes, Epaphras, he's been wrestling with, for you in prayer so that you would stand before the Lord mature and complete. He gives you an example of what he's asked you already to do. This list of human beings is to show you that you need people and to show you how to do the stuff he's already asked you to do. If you want a better life, make Jesus' movement the center of your life. But to join the movement, you have to join the team. There's no way around it. Absolutely essential to orienting your life to Jesus' movement. What does God want us to do then? Lots of things. But for me, I took this away. Every moment holy, everyone together, every word of sermon. And what I don't want you to hear in here is that I want you to make everything you say to everyone sermon-like, because that would be tedious. What Paul's about ready to tell you is, uh, what I think he's conveying to us, is that your words to your friends are equally, if not more important than my words from the stage. Look what he says. Same word, lagos. We know the word lagos. Lagos looks like logos. It means word. Paul says, keep on praying at the same time, pray for us also. Pray that God would open a door for the word, halagos, so we could preach the mystery of Christ, this movement that has put me in jail. That's how important this is. Right? He says, pray that I might be as clear as I ought to be so that when I preach. Talking about preaching, talking about preaching the word. And then he tells you, act wisely towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Your speech, halagos, same exact words, your words should always be gracious and sprinkle with a little salt. They're taking the word salt to mean insight, but it's the word salt, which I love. So that you may know how to respond to each person, every moment holy, everyone together, every word a sermon, each person. Same words, your word, his word, his preaching, your conversations, same phrase. Paul preaching, your daily conversations, the word. We are on mission with Jesus when we realize that the words we speak to each person in our life can be spiritually infused with God's grace and insight, not just sermons from the stage, but stories in the supermarket. I had to do S's. I'm so sorry. I hope that. But it's real. Maybe even more real. Like, I hope that this is important. I'm going to say this again because I spent a lot of time doing this and preparing for this. But I think the real real is the way that you talk to the people around you. Paul wants you to know that every word has the power of sermon. If you're going to be on movement with Jesus, you're going to be a journey with Jesus, mission with Jesus, realize the power of your words, infuse them with grace, sprinkle some salt on them. This is Hugh Halter. He wrote an incredible book called The Tangible Kingdom, a really great book about his life and story and how he's really focusing on simple church 
communities because he was part of a big church and things were going really well, but he got really convicted about his own relationship with Jesus and the kind of relationship he was helping other people have. And so he stepped down and he just started working with church planters. He was over in England and he was helping church planters. And he said he was going to a pub every night and the waitress from Ireland came over. He was going to this pub for dinner and she said, what are you guys doing in town? And he said, I didn't really want to tell her, but I ended up telling her, hey, we're here to help people start more churches. And she said, he said, she looked at her and said, why would you, why would you want to start more churches? And he said, I can sense that there's some difficulty behind that question. What's your experience with church? And she said, I grew up in Belfast, Ireland. I had friends that died in the in the struggles between Protestants and Catholics, I had people that were abused by priests. Why would you ever want to start any more churches? And he said, I began to talk to her in a way that I never had before. I knew I couldn't mention church. I knew I couldn't just throw Bible verses at her. And so I began talking to her about the kingdom. That Jesus came frustrated about the same things that she was frustrated about, religious leaders who were misrepresenting God for their own glory, for their own power, and he wanted to create a community of people that would see the world transformed, that heaven would come down, and not about us gathering together in some building, but a group of people working on mission with Jesus, and he said it was really compelling to her. She said, tell me more, tell me more, and he's like, I just started telling her parables that Jesus told about the kingdom. I went every night. She had me tell him more. Friday night, I went to say bye because he said I was leaving. And she said, I want other people to hear this. She said he brought a dozen of her friends over to have the same story said about this kingdom thing. And so he writes this book called The Kingdom. He says that was the greatest conversation he had that shaped the rest of his ministry. Your conversations can have the same impetus, if not more, than sermons from the stage. This is my story. That's the dam, if you don't know. If you're new to town, this is the dam. It is the spillway, too. Technically. I didn't come to faith in a setting like this. I didn't come to faith from hearing a really compelling sermon. I came to faith because someone sat me on a bench right here with a sandwich from Wagon Wheel. Just and asked me to share my story. And at the end of that, asked me where I saw God in the midst of all that and turned me on my head. And I went home and chewed on that and chewed on that and chewed on that. And that was the impetus that I always point back to, the thing that made me come to faith, not at church, conversation, on the dam, at the bench, at the end, over some of the best sandwiches ever made in this town. I hope these sermons are helpful. I pray that you're praying for me as I'm giving them and preparing them. But I know, I know, I know that your words to your friends and family are the most impactful. And Paul wants you to know that too. That joining the mission of Jesus means making our words matter, infusing them with the grace of God and adding God's wisdom and insight to them so that you can make every moment holy, everyone together, every word a sermon. Questions, comments, Criticisms, concerns, challenges, critiques, none. Thank you. You've all agreed with me perfectly. Let me wrap this up. You are naturally going to try to build your own kingdom for your own self. It is just part, 
a parcel of what it means to be a human being in a fallen world. But life is better when you give yourself over to a bigger purpose, to Jesus' kingdom. We are meant to orient our lives to that bigger purpose. And we can do that when we, as Paul encourages us here, make every moment holy through thanksgiving and prayer and being present. When everyone's together, committing and submitting to the team of Jesus and every word of sermon, recognizing and utilizing the power of our everyday conversations to infuse God's grace and wisdom into the moment. Would you pray with me as we head into time for communion? Father God, help us. Help us to be on your team. We've gone through the whole book of Colossians now. Help us to match our level of obedience to our level of information. We know it. Help us to do it. We cannot do it without your Holy Spirit's help, guidance, encouragement, empowerment. We pray that you would help us to be open to that, to laying down our own kingdoms, to laying down our own ways, our own wills, and genuinely forever orienting our lives towards you, your way, your will, your kingdom. Help us to find a group of people to walk that journey with so that we can belong, so that we can have examples, so that they can convict us, they can challenge us, they can comfort us when we are straying or getting off track. Help us to move over from Kronos time to Kairos time, that we would see the holiness of the moments around us and help us to realize the power of our words that especially when we speak them with your grace and your truth and your wisdom, they have the ability for you to use them to change people's lives. And as we come now to this time of the bread and the cup, would you help it to be spiritual, energizing food for us to be doing exactly those things? Growing closer to you, closer to one another, living on mission and purpose for you. And we will give you praise for the ways that you work in our lives. And we say these things in Jesus' name. Table Church, will you help me finish this prayer by saying the Lord's Prayer? By saying, Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.